All right, so this is the after potty for our episode on NASA. It's, uh, what is it, May the 23rd today. Um, so, yeah, we just got done recording our free episode uh, on NASA and all the shit involved with that. And it, um, this one was, was very fun. Um, it was, it was fun for me because like we, we, we've kind of broken up the episodes to where like I've been laying down sort of like the either accepted history or like the, the mainstream history stuff just to kind of lay the framework for that. And then, uh, sun's been going off on, on some of the more fun conspiracy stuff. And so this was really fun for me because I didn't know a lot about NASA and also, like, it, I mean, like, it is interesting, like, if you believe in space and you believe in, in all that kind of stuff, it, it was pretty cool to kind of, like, I don't really uh, experience a lot of, like, science in my everyday, so it was kind of cool to, like, learn something, even though I learned very little about, like, the history of, like, the American rocketry program and, like, kind of the steps we were taking I mean, it was especially interesting because, like, a lot of the history of NASA really ties into our relationship with the Soviet Union. And that's been something, like, in my spare time I've been a little more involved with, like, in not research, but just, like, you know, like, kind of getting to familiar familiarize myself better with, like, some of the Cold War stuff and, like, our, our relationship to the Soviet Union and how those two powers have been driving you know, world culture for so long and how influential both of those institutions are. But this one was, was a, a big one. And like I said, in the, in the public episode, a lot of the stuff that we brush up on the people or the, or the topics or the events are things that will down the line, get their own episode, you know, cause like, even though we talked ad nauseum about Project Bluebeam, we could do a whole episode on that. That will also be brought mm-hmm. up a lot more times. And then, like, you know, Jack Parsons, Aleister Crowley, uh, Werner Von Braum, just, like, all of uh, Paperclip in and of itself. Like, uh, mm-hmm. Walt Disney. Um, I do want to talk about D-Malay because you brought it up. And I thought that was, like, very, very funny that you brought up D-Malay because I was in D-Malay. It's, and, then like, my— Whoa, really? Like, when you were younger? Mm-hmm. Cause like, that's what I was trying to say in the episode, like Demolay, like the thing that I, that I, I try to illustrate with a lot of the stuff when people talk about like Freemasonry, it's like when people bring up like the Catholic church or whatever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like maybe like 0.3% of like the Catholic church as an institution are the ones who are doing like the crazy behind the scenes stuff and really benefiting from like the psychic energy or like the, whatever is happening in that institution, the same way with Freemasonry, but Freemasonry is honestly just a big cosplaying mm-hmm. fun theater time for grown ass nerd men. Yeah. Cause you know, back in the day it was completely different, but like modern Freemasonry, there's nothing in, there's really isn't anything interesting in it. And like, right. I, you know, I've said it before on here, like I got my 32nd degree in Scottish, right? I went up, I didn't do Knights Templar in York, right? But like, I, I've done all of that shit in Freemasonry and I was in Malay as a kid because my family was all involved with it. And it's just like fucking boring ass normal dudes who literally are doing it either because their parents did it and they wanted to like make their dad proud, which is kind of like what I did. Or it's just mm-hmm. like, it's viewed as like a boys club, like a way to escape your wife and your kids, like something to do in the community. Cause like, especially like in what I've, what I've witnessed growing up in like a family that was involved in Freemasonry back in like the small town in Western Maryland that I'm from, 
Like this was just literally like all the businessmen did it. Cause this was a way for them to like do economic stuff or like, you know, like the guy who was the mayor was in it. And then because of that, like he would join the lodge and then now he's friends with all the business owners in towns and everybody's buddies. Like it was just like this weird way for like men with the time and resources to like meet up to like, just kind of mm-hmm. hang out and like drink and, and do whatever bullshit. But like D Malay was, it was funny that you brought that up because D Malay is the, um, I've always described it as like the boy scouts for Freemasonry. Cause that's basically what it is. So like, you don't have to be a Mason to be involved. Like you don't have to be like related to a Mason, but you have to be um, approved by Masons to, to join Malay like as a child. And then you, you call them, you call, you're going to laugh at it, but you call like the scout leaders, you call them dad in the organization, like as a title. Mm -hmm. So it'd be like dad, Chuck, like dad, dad smith dad you know whatever interesting that, yeah. that's actually very interesting because i know the females they have like princess and flower and they have different well, titles that's, for yeah too. that's that's job's daughters so that's an organization that straight up is for the daughters of masons but literally all that is is like they wear dresses and they like they kind of do ritual work, but it really isn't because like, it's not even anything like it's a feeder organization for the order of the Eastern star, which is mm-hmm. uh, essentially female Freemasonry. Although there's like co-masonry, which has allowed females in, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, the, the Jobies, as we have called them, the Job's daughters, the Jobies, like they're literally just like the daughters of, of Freemasonry guys. And a lot of people just use these organizations as like free babysitting, you know? So like, mm-hmm. Cause like, that's the thing too, that especially because of my family, like my older generations, like my grandfather was the secretary of the lodge in my hometown for like 25 years. And literally like, it was just a second job to him because he had to spend so many hours a night, like doing these like correspondences or like helping them balance the budgetary books. And then he would go to every fucking meeting, which is like at least one night a week, if not two nights, you know? So it just becomes this whole thing where they sort of enacted these child programs Like, yes, it's a way to get young people involved. And yes, it is kind of a way to get young people acclimated to the lifestyle or like normalize it in order to recruit them later. But like a lot of it really is just like free babysitting and shit because it's you and all your buddies from your town who you work together. And now you all got to go to lodge later tonight to have a meeting. But, you know, you got to do something with your fucking kids. So then, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like a babysitting apparatus. It's like having a fucking nursery in a gym. I think that there's like. Uh, a deeper nefarious underbelly for sure like the higher up you go but like as a yeah like the 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 bottom percent I'm sure yeah I mean like there there are like the psychological aspects of like programming children from the age of I think you have to be 12 to get in I think it's 12 and then because I I aged out of it so it's like you you have to stop when you're 21 right that's what I read I think it's 18 I stopped because Mm -hmm. eight I think it's like a thing where you can I really don't know because I stopped going when I turned 18 like I had Mm -hmm. stopped going before then also but like I officially like had to stop and they do a whole like ceremony like thing for you when basically when you like graduate high school to mm-hmm. kind of like exit you out of the organization. Cause like, I mean, like I knew these fucking, like I still talk to some of them. It's actually very funny. So like 
Demolay, obviously, like if you get into the psychology of it, yes, they're like programming children and it is a way to indoctrinate children and all these different stuff and normalize the hierarchical relationship involved in masonry involving different levels of degrees and respect and and all that kind of shit. Like, honestly, like it was fun. It really is just like cosplaying, like LARPing, like we're kids and we're doing Masonic ritual in the lodge room. So it's nothing really that dramatic. Like I did theater as a kid. So I liked the ritual stuff that you it's, it's all very whatever, but like, yeah, it's funny when people view Demolay as like this nefarious recruiting tool for masonry. Cause like in my, in my, like my Demolay group or whatever, there were maybe 20 kids and all of us were like the sons or nephews of, of masons who were in Western Maryland, basically. I, and I still I still talk to a, a decent amount of them <laughs> out of everyone that I was like interacting with. And I interacted with these dudes for like years. Like, you know, we were like friends all through high school. I traveled to New Orleans for a ritual competition with them right after Katrina. That was really fun, though, because it was my first time being in New Orleans and I was in high school. So I got to miss high school to go. But That's we had awesome. we had to hang out at the Grand Lodge of Louisiana, which is in New wow. Orleans. Yeah, Haunted so I just got to I just got to read really old books for like four days while I practiced these like really stupid plays. It was <laughs> it was fucking tight. It was so fun. Um, and we like we got drunk on Bourbon Street because like it's just a bunch of fucking high school boys. It's like dudes aged oh, like yeah, fifteen to fucking eighteen. So the eighteen <laughs> year olds had fake IDs and they would give beers and we would all be like in alleys and stuff at like fourteen mm-hmm. years old. Um. But anyways, like out of all the dudes that I know, four I know of four of us of like my my group of people, I know four of us who later went on to be Masons. And two of those are myself and my and my cousin. And we both did it like well into our twenties. Like mm-hmm. I waited until I was out of college and my cousin did also. But like two of the other guys I know, like they joined the Masons when they were 18. Like they went from Demolay to the Masons and then they went the whole way up to master. And then just, they don't, I mean, they don't fucking go now. So like, it really is like a funny thing when I hear be like, Demolay is a way to recruit children into Masons. And it's like, no, it's a way for your dads to like yeah. still like uphold their like custody, like arrangements during the divorce. So you have to go to lodge and like, we get fed there like we would go to like, you know, it's just like a whole weird like daycare thing. It's daycare. Yeah. Yeah, it's a daycare no, thing. Daycare. And then it becomes like an after school. Like I had I could use that as part of my like community service stuff uh, with high school, which was actually kind of cool. Yeah, I you, definitely you know? think so we that did, like, like fundraisers and shit. Mason has a very different meaning now. And same with like the Illuminati or um, a lot of like any other big name organizations like it's very different. And I think it's a way to. Um, trick people into thinking they have way more power than they actually do. Oh, it 100% is. And that's why I kind of like immediately scoff and like not discredit, but kind of like kind of tune out when people start harping on like the Freemasons did because it's like when people think of Freemasons, they think of like dudes in back alleys who are like wearing suits and doing these crazy rituals, killing pregnant women. Yeah. I literally think of like my uncle's overweight friends sitting in a Denny's, like complaining about electricity bills, you know, like that's right. right. It's definitely, it's definitely there. There are schemes to hide the truth. There's like truth in plain sight or hidden in plain sight. Oh, 100%. to use the Catholic analogy or whatever, it's just like, yes, there are, there are people who are in Freemasonry who are doing like crazy shit and who are involved in like government and like the powers that be and stuff. But a lot of it becomes a chicken and the egg situation of like, 
Yeah, some people join Freemasonry to get these powerful positions, but then other people in powerful positions join to like have camaraderie with their buddies and and shit. Like it's a yeah. whole it's a whole complicated thing. Like if you want to get into if there is like a Freemasonic agenda involving like the and the NWO and stuff, like if if there is anything that I've ever heard of or seen would have been something that's like you know anything that anyone else can look up on the internet like i've i've interacted with these people at least uh, intimately on the state level and it's literally just mm-hmm. dudes fucking complaining about like pot roasts and just like their wives and their retirement funds and shit and just something yeah, for old men to do it's, it's interesting how like um certain clubs or groups that are meant to be the illuminated ones um also have a way of tricking masses right so it's like you're a part of this special club, but the people that are in this special club, all they receive in return is an inflated ego and Mm -hmm. like some fake title. And whereas if you like dig really deep, if you're not a quadrillionaire who like will actually (laughs) drink blood and like do these crazy ass rituals, like you're not, you're not actually receiving any of the benefits of, um, of what they're telling you. It's, it's a, it sounds like laundering still. It still, yeah. still sounds like Catholicism or Scientology. Um, I think that is interesting because, you know, we're always led to believe something very differently than what it is. And, um, that's like the power of deception. And that's kind of like what NASA is all about. That's kind of what we were talking about in our last one too, about like, um, uh, the sun worship or like solar deities and mm-hmm. how like, Lucifer represents the intellectual mind without illumination, hence like the false light or like this deceptive light. And um, yeah, you bringing up deceptive or light is deceptive, I think is like a very. Oh, yeah. So what I mean by that is that we're taught that light is illuminating. Right. But I feel the way that we've been tricked into thinking is like this inverse of the truth. So like, I feel like in darkness or in shadow work, um, more truth is revealed and not necessarily like ethically dark, but I'm speaking more in terms of metaphysics and more in terms of, um, the inner workings of everyone, everyone's dayoth, right? The hidden sephira of everyone's like creative soul. Um, that's more what I'm talking about. So when I say light, I mean like physical light, I believe is part of the matrix. It's part of the ultimate deceiver because it allows us to see things that are merely vibratory. Whereas when you are in a sensory deprivation tank, or if you meditate in complete darkness, that's kind of where truths come about more clearly than if you were to do it in the third dimensional light that we call photons. Um, That's kind of what I mean. By like light is deceiving. No, I know what you mean, but it's just an interesting concept to to think about that because it, going back to our solar stuff, uh, mm-hmm. especially like if you look at a lot of these these uh, precursors to religion or early early religions or whatever, like the idea is always that there's truth in the light. Like the light is the good thing. The light is the savior. The light is something worth veneration. The light is something that helps us. It saves us. It allows us, you know, heat and cooks our food and all this kind of stuff. So light. Mm-hmm. Um, is always something that is is viewed as like this good thing, this this pure thing, you know, even like light and dark, light and shadow, like all of that stuff. It's always that light is the good thing, you know, mm-hmm. it, light mm-hmm. magic, dark magic. Like anytime you you describe something as light, 
aside from in like their weight. It's always that the light is is the good, you know, the good the good shit or stuff synonymous with lights. Like if, if things are bright, if they're, you know, illuminating all that stuff. Illuminating is 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 a key word in a lot of this because then it, with the idea of the light being deceptive, it's almost like one of the biggest deceptions that you can play on someone. Um, because we're programmed to always think that like light is good and like it, you know, and so then when you have mm -hmm. like a hologram, which is literally your eyes deceiving you or like light being used against you, it's like this very okay. personal attack. And then also that ties into a lot of the, like the Lucifer and Satan stuff too, because Lucifer is like the morning star or like mm -hmm. being used to illuminate. And then again, like illumination is this concept that, that ties in with like light happening. Like if something's being illuminated, you're bringing light to it or light from it. But then also like that has to do a lot with like gaining knowledge and with gaining power and things like that. So like when you're illuminated, like when things are illuminated, like uh, you become aware of them, you learn from them, you you gain their power or whatever. And so then you have the idea of Lucifer being tied into where Lucifer is the bad guy. He's Satan, but also his name literally means like the light bringer, which is synonymous with like the information bringer or like the knowledge bringer and stuff like that. So then this idea of the light being deceptive is, is very, very deep in like the human psychology and like human mm -hmm. psyche, because we view it as this only good thing, mm -hmm. this only powerful good tool and then if that can be turned against us or used to our detriment that immediately becomes like psychologically I think one of like the biggest portrayals you know yep. like that's such like a, a like not an evil thing like in the universal sense but it's such like a, a fucked up like perverse like it's evil thing to do it's an yeah inversion. yeah yeah exactly but that was like something that that I was thinking of when you when you said that you know the light being deceptive, like with the hologram stuff is just like, that would be one of the hardest things to cope with or to try and prove mm -hmm. false, you know? Mm -hmm. So that would be one where like, cause that's always like a big, a big part of it is like uh, a big portion of truth is what you can see. Like out of all of your senses, your sight is normally the one that's viewed as like the most valid or that's viewed as like the most um, concrete or trustworthy out of all of your senses. Like you can question what you hear, you know, but if you see something, then that really validates it a lot. So it's, yes. it's, it's one of your like truest senses. It's one of your like most accurate or truest ways to gain information mm -hmm. and things like that. So the idea that your vision can be manipulated or that light can be manipulated because, you know, like our entire system of vision is just our brains interpreting uh, light and, and, and all that kind of shit around us and, and the electrical impulses that bounce, you know, how light interacts with the objects around us is how you can see them and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Not yeah. to, you know, but like that, that whole concept of like not being able to trust your eyes is sort of like the, the last step of like deceiving a human, yeah. you know, cause you can, you can manipulate the other senses far easier than you can manipulate vision, especially like from an outsider, you know, like from the outside of like the human body and stuff. But then your vision is what a lot of your reality is anchored in. And so as soon as that starts being tampered with, and that really is like the last, that that's like the last thing that's really holding you to this reality or to this understanding of reality is your vision. Right. 
Yeah. And I understand that people are fucking blind or whatever, but I'm just saying like in general, like. But we could talk about even people that are like physically blind. They have higher senses. Mm -hmm. And I know people like say that like, oh, they can hear and they can smell better and they can taste better. But it's it's much deeper than that. It is much, much deeper than that. The way that they sense the energetic world around them is far different than someone who relies on our visible light spectrum for, yeah, for knowledge and for reference points. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really interesting. And I think that you bring up a good point in highlighting this because, you know, if if you can, people in like fringe circles, they understand like this is the ultimate deception. But imagine... Yeah, how like the rest of the masses would feel if they found out because that would be the ultimate trauma porn. Mm-hmm. That would, you know, you were born a lie. You were born into a lie. You were born into a matrix, into the mata, into into a maya, into a dream. Um, and that's why a lot of, you know, yogis or Tibetan Buddhists or monks will will just meditate for days and days and days on end in a cave in darkness because they they understand that they don't need food or water or any of this false sustenance that we've been kind of tricked into thinking. Um, it, it is really interesting to me. And that's kind of like Apollo, right? Apollo, I was just talking about this downstairs with my person. And we were talking about like Apollo, like Apostle, Apollo 11, that's like 9-11. And um, it's interesting because like one of, one of the space spacecrafts like blew up right so there's like the ultimate sacrifice in space like that's kind of yeah there's a couple of them that blew what columbia or the challenge challenger blew up and i think columbia blew up and then one of the apollos blew up too because they made that whole remember that whole movie that they made about the apollo uh, ship blowing up I know of it. I didn't watch it or so know anything of it. The the whole premise of the movie was that like they were faking all of the Apollo shit. Mm. And something happened to where like it was either I think it was that they just put an unmanned rocket up there and then it was supposed to like orbit and then come down. And then they had like the um. it's been so long since I saw the movie. But the whole thing is that. There were no people on this ship and then something happened to where the ship blew up or the ship crashed or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, in order to make the narrative fit, the government was in hunting down these four astronauts who were supposedly on the ship. But mm-hmm. in reality, they were like actors. And so it was like okay. these actors had to be killed in order to like tighten up the story that this, sh- this ship really crashed. Like that was the movie. Okay, that's very interesting to me. I didn't watch the movie and I didn't know that was the premise because I know that in one of these spaceships, uh, you know, a crew died. Like, I I know that vividly. I just don't remember which one it was. Uh, I know it was like three or four people that died. Challenger died back or Challenger blew up back in the day. And I think it was Columbia that blew up also when I remember when I was alive. The Columbia blew up, I think. And then. Mm Yeah, then I think one of the Apollos did too. I really don't know about a lot of the. Uh, I don't know as much as I should about the Apollo program, but um, yeah, spaceships have definitely blown up like on TV. Right, and I think that's just like another source of um, sacrificial energy. Even if it's false or not, usually things on television are not real. I mean, we just talked about your eyes being the ultimate deceiver. So, like, are we really talking about what's real and what's not? The point is, if you can harness enough energy towards a certain point or event and harness it to do what thou wilt, 
it works. It, it really does work. And also going back to like the word Apollo, I wanted to explain or explore that more um, because it ties in with like Horus, Osiris, Net, Diana, right? Like sun gods and moon goddesses and um, having like that light and darkness and always having that, um, that balance. But through all of the people mostly Crowley and Parsons and um, Von Braun, they would openly have rituals, collaborative efforts in in Babylon um, on behalf of like Horus. Like they would perform rituals in order to evoke the spirit elemental of Babylon. And I think that's really interesting too, because now we're seeing this um, divide of information, this divide of tongue, this divide of speak, and we have political correctness. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Let me kick her out. Truck. Or <laughs> that was very funny. That was, that was, that was very good. <laughs> that scared me so much. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Whew. I don't know. Magic, aliens, real space and science. They're all connected. And I believe that very strongly. Um, yeah, the alien stuff was something that I didn't really want. I didn't really want to get into it, but I also like didn't really pay a lot of attention for the NASA episode. And I was worried that that might have been like an error in potential programming. But it's like the alien stuff does have a lot to do with NASA because NASA is space. But also like mm. that's not only its own shit, but it's also like. It's not a lot of like the outward facing parts of NASA involve aliens. Yeah. And so because of that, it was like, I just didn't really feel like bringing up a lot of like the alleged ties between that because there's so much like stuff that like is well documented with NASA. That's yeah. like more not based in reality, but it's like a little more like I can look at it and be like, here's the budget for these years, but I can't look and see what they spent the money on. As opposed to me being like in 1947, a scientist by the name of Doug, blah, 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 said that he met an alien at the coffee counter of NASA's, you know, it's like, yeah. And that's a lot of the NASA stuff too, because obviously it's going to be, um, yeah, I don't know. The, I found it very interesting also with a lot of the budgetary stuff and a lot of the black project stuff um, surrounding NASA. Mm -hmm. um, that That's something that I've always been aware of in like a lot of the NASA conspiracy or NASA, tru NASA truther stuff um, is, is the fact that publicly we know that a bunch of money goes there, but then like we also don't really see the results of it. So like. A lot of people think that it's, you know, that they're, like I said, like they're just funneling money, saying it's going to NASA research when in reality it's going to whatever they want or like nefarious things or right. being laundered or just being given to people, just, you know, whatever. So like that's a big part of it too, like the budgetary concerns. Although I was reading about like not only what their budget is, but like how people like were reacting to the budget of, of NASA. And I know that this might be like, be kind of boring or whatever, but like to, to kind of quote an article, NASA's share of the total federal budget peaked at approximately 4.41% in 1966 during the Apollo program, then rapidly declined to approximately 1% in 1975 and stayed around that level for 1998 until 1998, excuse me. The percentage then gradually dropped until leveling off again at around half a percent 
in 2006, mm. estimated in 2012 at 0.48% of the federal budget. In March 2012, hearing in a March 2012 hearing of the United States Senate Science Committee, science communicator Neil deGrasse Tyson, friend of the pod, testified that, quote, right now NASA's annual budget is half a penny on your tax dollar. For twice that, a penny on a dollar, we can transform the country from a sullen, dispirited nation weary of economic struggle to one where it has reclaimed its 20th century birthright to dream of tomorrow, end quote. Then the article continues, despite this public perception of NASA's budget differs significantly, a 1997 poll indicated that most Americans believe that 20% of the federal budget went to NASA. So that to me was interesting one because it did show how little NASA is funded, where if it was at half of a percent of the budget and shit, you know. But then also if you look at it to where like you can see like through, you know, articles or in like research that has been made public, like figures that have been made public, like, you know, in what, 2005, the, the budget was 18 billion. So that means that one half of a one half of a percent of the federal budget is 20 billion. And like I can't do the math on that right now, but that just shows like what the federal budget is. Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. much money is going through the American government, like to where one half of one percent is twenty billion dollars, you know? Jesus fucking Christ! Right, and it, it just becomes that thing to where I've I've I've, I've said it in, in in other ways where like money sort of doesn't become an object when you get to this level of shit, and that's some of my criticism with people who have a lot mm-hmm. of conspiracy theories that are based around money. when they talk about like the government wanting your money and different governments wanting their citizens money. When you get to the level of the government, their concept of money and our concept of money is completely different. Like Mm -hmm. they do not give a fuck about your $300 and you brought up like the taxes thing. And I have seen a lot of people say that like, you know, there's really nothing keeping you from not paying your taxes. Like, there's like economists and people who I've seen who are like, I worked for the Fed for 30 years and I haven't paid my taxes in 40 years and nothing's ever happened to me and blah, blah, blah. And like they send me letters, but they can't do anything. So they don't. They just want to scare people, mm-hmm. you know, but that that was something that that I've kind of thought for a long ass time with like especially friends and people who are in similar economic situations to where they're mm-hmm. like bugging the fuck out about taxes and about like filling out their taxes wrong and like getting hit for tax fraud and all this shit. And it's like, dude, like they're not going to fucking waste their time coming after you for even like a thousand dollars. Like they don't fucking want their $300 that bad. Like the state might, or the county might, like the city might really come after you for a couple hundred bucks. But like the fucking- But even that, I- promise you they won't. I mean, they won't, but I'm just saying like a matter of principle, like the state Mm -hmm. would come after you before Mm -hmm. the feds do. Like the feds do not give a yeah, fuck about exactly. $300 from you. It's not fucking worth their time. Like that's fucking not even peanuts yeah. to them. Yeah. To like these inflated numbers, it, it almost doesn't even make, even make, make sense. That should be thinking. It doesn't make sense. They're not interested in dollar bills. They're not interested in currency. There is a, a, a power in control that they are after. And that is like the ultimate 
money to them. That is the ultimate resource and currency is energy. Um, what was that person again that you liked uh, that talks about etymology, but he's kind of like too Christian for you to oh, listen to? Jordan Maxwell. Yeah. Yes, Maxwell. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't mean to be Jordan Maxwell, but if you look at like the etymology of a bill, mm-hmm. bill or the etymology of current or currency or Monet, you know, like there are different gods, and um. I, I feel like I enjoy enjoy talking about about etymology and specifically with NASA and organizations like this because they are very cautious about the words they use and it's interesting because like banks banks are are related to rivers banks are related a lot of these words are related back to nature currency is is just a water current you know a bill a bill is something that you are you are given to. I don't know, pay back, back. <laughs> I don't know, like the nature, um, synonym, synonym. Uh, I can't talk or like the parallel for that, but it's just weird okay. to see, pe- see people very cautiously choose. It's, it's interesting. Cause Jordan Maxwell's a lot, a lot of his stuff involves, like the admiralty laws and he brings a lot of of his his research brings a lot of like uh, the language around government and the language around finances back to boats and ships and maritime laws and maritime procedures and i mean like i'm not going to give like a big synopsis on his stuff anyone can find his work it's very good work you should you should look at it but he he goes mm-hmm. in so deep like he's a big he's a big person who I think like sovereign citizens really look at as someone who's sort of uh, validating their claims, you know. And so it has to do with like how a how a courtroom is set up to where like the doors are like the the doors on a ship, and you're supposed to be on a ship. And like when okay. you when you get into a, like you know like the word partnership and relationship and all this has to do mm-hmm. with like. Being on it all ties back to like uh, being on a boat, and like it all ties back to like the concepts that uh, were developed around like maritime trade and maritime relations and maritime mm-hmm. war, and how everything that like everything that we experience in in those realms in society nowadays has their roots in like maritime procedures, and it's like a way of looking at the world through like maritime law as opposed to like the law mm-hmm. of the land. It, it, I mean, like, it's very interesting. And then he also, like, like we've mentioned, he, he does a lot with, with a word where he'll break down like every syllable of the word or words that rhyme or words that are spelled similarly, you know, and it, yeah, it kind of shows how everything's really tied together and that that's like a fun, that's like a fun kind of bong rippy, like way to spend your evening where you kind of get high and watch his videos. It is. It's important. I mean, going Going back to to like the word logos, like if, if that is the word of God, then you can speak existence into something. You can speak realities from your, your vocal cords. And that's kind of like the power that these people are interested in. Same with like Apollo, like apostle. Those those are very related to one another. And there's a reason for that. And it's not just like for me, it's not. It is entertaining, um, but it's also important to understand like the roots and the origins of things and words, because there are people <laughs> playing around with millions of billions of dollars 
that are upholding this um, this weird. Yeah, I guess it is very maritime. It's very related to water and to land and to sky, and these words that have root and origin and in those worlds. Well, even like when you get into the uh, NASA stuff and the space stuff, like those are all ships. Those are all spaceships. Like they still use mm -hmm. naval terminology. Like they're called fleets if it's more than one. Like even when you get into like sci-fi movies and sci-fi, sci-fi literature in general, like there's always fleets of space ships and they're captains of the ships and they're admirals of the ships. And a lot of it ties back to like, you know, like we've been saying a lot, like it, it, it has maritime roots and everything goes by these maritime code of ethic or, you know, code of ethics and codes of law mm -hmm. and, and, and rules and, and, and shit like that. And it, it really becomes that whole, that whole thing where it really does tie back a lot to the ship stuff that I don't pay. I don't, I don't know enough about it to really be able to kind of like recap Jordan Maxwell's ship, but please, if, if that sounds intriguing or interesting, like people should look that up. It's, it's yeah. good information. It it really it really is good information. I mean, he's not my favorite guy, but he he does a lot of really good work um, mm -hmm. with with a lot of the the ship stuff and and the speech stuff. But yeah, I um I also wanted to ask you because uh, in the beginning of me discussing Project Bluebeam, I was talking about um, artificial earthquakes and mm -hmm. you know having the ability to have like this. Uh, weather mitigation and um, climate control and, and they have admitted to you know creating earthquakes or stopping earthquakes mm -hmm. or whatever but I, I know that a lot of fringe theorists believe that if they have this power to unearth certain um, artifacts from the past right that they can also like interpret them or reinterpret them and trick us into thinking once again, that their narrative is the correct one. So like, oh, well, I found this thing underwater and actually we got it wrong all, all along. Like mankind actually started here and we're supposed to be worshiping these people. Like what is your take on them using different technologies to tie together um, ancient artifacts and ancient teachings and like bringing it now? Well, I mean, I think a lot of that, I don't really know. Like, to be honest, because, like, a lot of the, the technology that's being used now to then tie back to, to, like, mythology, like, ancient stuff, a lot of it really only has to do, in my my opinion, like, a lot of it really only has to do with, like, the name and the power that, like, those names invoke. So, like, you look at, like we've been saying, like, mm -hmm. you look at naming these ships, like, Apollo, or who was Apollo, and what did he do, and why has there been so many of this Apollo program, or, like, you know, like, if you look at the Project Mercury, and, like, who was Mercury the god? What is Mercury the planet? Like, mm -hmm. what are all the deities that represented Mercury or that were assigned to Mercury back in the day? Like, what does that have to do with what's happening now? Like, mm -hmm. could the goals and the intentions that were made for these deities back in the day be the goals and intentions of this technology that we're using now? Like, when you, I don't know, like, if, if you look at, like, the idea of like manipulating the weather or using a blue beam stuff to create earthquakes or to stop earthquakes or to have like these powers of God or whatever, like, right. You can look at that like in a very terrestrial material way to say that like, 
maybe we didn't invent these technologies. Maybe we rediscovered them or maybe they have been around forever. And then like mm-hmm. someone found out like through researching like ancient texts and stuff, because like you look at things where like all the, the attributes of like gods and magicians and whatever back in the day was like, they could control weather. They could make fire. They could control earthquakes. They could control the winds. They could do all this kind of stuff. And now we're kind of finding out through, you know, leaked documents or published documents about like, our technology research and like our technology that we're like creating to where like we can now manipulate the weather, we can stop earthquakes. So like if they were giving these powers to the divine back in the day and then we have them now, does that mean that like we were fed these stories and wanted to imitate the the divine and we've been able to, or is it a thing to where like the, the instances that were being documented in whatever way back in the day weren't that of anything divine and it was just, technologically advanced people, mm-hmm. you know, or, or stuff like that. I do think that it would be very possible to do like a blue beam situation where they could say like, Hey, we've discovered Atlantis and this is where everybody comes from. You know, they haven't done anything like that yet. Um, I don't know if they ever really would. I was thinking a lot about the projection stuff and, mm-hmm. and the idea that they would use projections to, kind of run the narrative and how there are claims that they were going to do that through being like, Jesus is coming down or they're going to do it with like aliens are coming down, Mm -hmm. but it always has to do with something coming out of the sky and coming down to earth, you know, like reinforcing this idea that there's stuff outside of, of our planet's atmosphere or outside of our, uh, you know, above the sky that are more powerful than us. And one day they will come down. But I thought that it was really interesting how they hedge their bets theoretically to where they're like, well, we'll see how civilization goes. And if people continue to be religious, then we'll have Jesus come down. But if people stop being religious, then we'll go aliens. Well, I think the stopping religious also ties into this plan because right now, at least people in our generation and below and even people a little bit older than us are very like against the idea of God. You know, atheism was like the level of intellect, like the highest level of intellect someone could reach at a certain point. And I feel like a lot of people are still there. And that I feel like that is definitely a part of the plan. Like that feels orchestrated to me. I mean, it's it is an interesting concept when you look at it through the lens of like geopolitics or like sociology. Um, There are a lot of people who use like scientific atheism, like new atheism to justify a lot of atrocities that happen in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people, um, there's like some intellectuals like, uh, what is it, Uh, Hitchinson and um, there's, there's, oh God, Richard Dawkins and Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Sam Harris. There's a lot of these people who, they make this argument that like religion is bullshit because science is real. And since religion is bullshit, then anyone who is using religion to control people are bad and we need to get rid of them. And then that justification has been used in the past to like eradicate native cultures in the name of Christianity, right? So they would go in and say like, your beliefs are wrong and my beliefs are right and we're going to either forcibly convert you or we're going to kill you. And right. using, using religion as justification for atrocities. And back in the day, you could do that in the context of saying mine is right and yours is wrong. And if you don't want to assimilate to what has been universally decided in our world as being correct, then we'll fucking kill you. 
mm-hmm. or we'll justify whatever happens to you because our God is deeming it so. And then it sort of switched in the modern times to being that atheism is the the driving force behind a lot of shit to where you can use that as a, a way to give yourself credit intellectually and also to discredit others by saying like, if you, man, if you're fucking, you believe in God or you, you, you if you're religious and like, obviously you don't understand science and obviously like you're not smart and I'm smart and this is what's right because this mm-hmm, is like what science mm-hmm. is pointing towards and science as we understand it and science as is being uh, passed around is the truth. And if you don't understand the truth, if you're not illuminated to the truth, then like you're not on the same level as me. Right. right. But a lot of people used religion from an atheist perspective, used religion in order to justify, like, especially like the Iraq war um, was a big one where, you know, that was a war on terror, but it was also a war on radical Islam and a lot of the people who were really into it were people who said that they were atheists who were basically mm-hmm. like religion is fake. And the fact that they're – they know that religion is fake and they're tripping, tricking all these dumb people into following their rules not based on science and fact but based on faith. And by controlling people with faith, they're evil and like so whatever happens mm-hmm. to them is, is completely mm-hmm. justified because we're liberating people from religion. We're liberating people from the ignorance Right. That comes from not believing in science and not not seeing the scientific truth. And I mean, that's even used when you go back to like a lot of like Darwinian thought and social Darwinism, especially to like this idea where there was no creation. There was evolution and evolution came from a survival of the fittest mentality. And through selective breeding, you breed out the weak traits and only the strong traits survive and you adapt to your surroundings to be better fitted and stuff like that. And they use that to discredit creationism, to uh, discredit um, intelligent design and, and, and things like that. And so through this idea of like being atheistic about your approach to creation and life, you can then um, justify horrible things happening to people or species in the name of like, well, if I can do it, then it's the right thing to do because this is how, this is how we progress. And like, you know, like the Nazis and, and, and people. Or even like what's going on now. Exactly. Satanism and like the age of Aquarius. And it's like, well, if we can disrupt everyone's timelines and if we can, you know, implement eugenics programs, it's for the greater good. It's for, uh, jumpstarting us into the net, the next step. Yeah. Um, NASA and, and space people, there's, there's a lot of overlap in a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. too, because not all scientists are involved in NASA, but a lot of NASA people are scientists. And so it really, right. it really becomes this thing to where you have like a culture war happening between like religion and science and then within that like nasa gets pulled in and like uh various forms of science get pulled in as being against christ or against the church or against religion Mm -hmm. and and things like that and so nasa comes up in a lot of conspiracy theories as being the scientific authority of the united states Mm -hmm. a lot of times when when it like the intelligence communities communities scientific capabilities are referenced for a long time at least it was just strictly nasa nasa was sort of a catch-all for everything crazy that was happening Hmm. then as things progress like we get into like mk ultra and stuff but like i had said in the in the previous episode in the main episode like a lot of american uh, scientific research and thus a lot of our resources 
from, you know, the 19 teens until the fucking nineties was all about war. And Mm -hmm. so NASA's approach to space and our eagerness to be in space and control space was based on our military and based on our sheer might and based on, you know, war principles, aggressive principles. And now that we've kind of exited from this war mentality and we're no longer running on a war economy and things sort of, sort of shifted to, um, you know, resources and economics, then that's sort of why now a lot of times, um, NASA gets brought up in in this sense of being um, more of a technology based place, and uh, you know, like that kind of stuff. Well, especially like if you have evidence of them selling their technology, you know, for example, Project Bluebeam, um, to the CIA and to the FBI for torturous purposes. I don't know. I'm under this mindset of like. When I was really young, I remember getting into this rabbit hole of like Walmart and McDonald's and all of these really big companies having their storefronts use this technology in order to uh, manipulate people. Like um, in Walmart, they use EMF signals to brainwash people. (laughs) And not many people know that, um, but it's legal and it's like out in the open. And there are a lot of like FOIA documents um, asking for that release of information. And I don't know. Yes, it has to. Oh, also, yes, war. But Soviet Union, like SU backwards is the US. And I, and I find that really interesting just because inversions interest me. Dualism interests me um, when I find it in this. So like anytime there's a 119 or a, or a you know, num- numbers, numbers and letters are important to them as you know, and like the U S is just the opposite of the S U. So I, I very, I very frequently question the legitimacy of, of wars. And if we're actually against anybody and, or if we're all, if our governments are like working together to control us all, Um, because a logical person will look at the budget of a war, the casualty of the war, and be like, okay, wars don't make any fucking sense. But on the grand scheme of things, if you can create some type of battle between two people and then have them kill each other, not only are you like checking off population control and depopulation, but you're also like building this loyalty to the place, to your soil. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the the wartime mentality is really based on like arrested development and just kind of shows how as a species or as a civilization, like humans haven't really progressed that much in however many thousand years. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to say up until recently, but I mean, I don't really I mean, modern warfare was essentially the same up until the fucking 2000s basically because we no longer had to be in the same fucking place like obviously it had changed you know throughout the years it was very drastically different from you know 1770 to to 1970 or whatever but the 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 idea of just throwing bodies at a cause and then people deciding what happening what is happening has has greatly changed um Mm -hmm. you know and i think that that's that that's something interesting too to look at um a lot of stuff involved with 
geopolitics and how states and nations react with each other. Um, because like this, the concept of war, like even like the concept of like the Cold War, where it was like this competition, yeah, for dominance through non-military means, and it was like a pissing match. And it's just this competition to where, yeah, like they probably were the same people. You know, they were on both sides. Like they were both on the same side. Like they're they're all the same people when you get to the very top. But look at how much of American culture and world culture is tied up in the Cold War. Like that was a way to get people to pay attention to one thing for so long. Mm-hmm. And the reason everyone was captivated by it was because like, as a species, like we're fascinated with conflict. We've been bred to be fascinated with conflict and to be interested in conflict. Conflict and sex are the two big motivators. And so if you always have these conflicts, if you always have these battles and these wars and these fights that are being waged, and like that's such an easy way to get people to sort of agree with you is to say that like I'm fighting for you or you will be fighting Mm -hmm. with me or here's what you will be fighting for. And like human beings love to fight and it's just a very easy way to get us to, to control us and to get us to, to do certain things. And it's something that can be easily manipulated because very few people are deciding the fate of a whole lot of people by dictating when and where we're fighting and for what we are fighting for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that comes into the, the blue beam stuff too, that like what Werner von Braun allegedly said where he talks about how they're going to try and control people with like an alien invasion, because what is that going to do? If we have an alien invasion, the idea being that all the world governments will finally on that one day under the threat of a, you know, an alien invasion and the threat of the galactic, whatever will come together and be like, we have to stop squabbling. We need to be one united force. And then boom, that's how everyone comes under yep. one, one government, one control. Exactly. And people will do it willingly, you know, and this mm-hmm. becomes a big, a big talking point also when you get into 9-11 and the fact that the country was united, you know, at this war and there always needs to be a war. That's why we have wartime presidents who have the best ratings out of everybody mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, that's why Trump is, has been trying to have a war for fucking almost four years. That's, you know, there's the... The, t- the trade war and now we're having a war against the coronavirus and it's always war rhetoric and it's right. always a battle and a fight and it's something that's supposed to be meant to unify us and I don't think that it's working anymore. I think that that's why things are so fucking crazy right now because we as a civilization are moving past either from evolution or by intelligent design or the unintended consequences of our relationship to modern technology and stuff and like our attention spans and our diets and things like that affecting us as human beings. But like we don't answer the war cry anymore. And so a lot of the classic means of control don't really work. And that's why we're seeing everything kind of change in our lifetime with how our government reacts with us and how, how all these things interact with each other is because they don't have the classic modes of control anymore, you know? But one of the an interesting yeah, thing I, that I was thinking of with Project Bluebeam was, um, and I never really read this anywhere, but I was just thinking about it. And I don't, I don't really think that the timeline would really fit. But like, I was wondering if like Pearl Harbor could maybe be tied into that too. Oh yeah, you know. And so like the narrative being that the Japanese gave us a surprise attack, and then they just bl- they just. You know, like we couldn't really capture anybody because they would slam their planes into 
our fucking planes and all this shit. And like, so the first thing I thought of was like the parallels between 9-11 and and Pearl Harbor have been talked about ad nauseum, you know, because they were both these terrorist attacks and involved people flying planes into American assets that rallied the country to support us and going into military action that Mm -hmm. changed, you know, the face of the world, you know? So obviously Pearl Harbor was the incident that got us into world war two up until then we had no fucking interest. We were just financial backers for both sides, but you know, we were, it, it didn't involve us. We had no reason to get involved. We didn't want to get involved. And then all of a sudden we randomly get fucking preemptively attacked, quote unquote. And now all of a sudden we're gung ho and the war machines in full effect. And then that shaped American policy for almost 50 fucking years. Like that drove the economy that really solidified America as a world power that really got us going. And that's a similar thing to what happened with 9-11, you know? So we got surprise attacked by a bunch of fucking people in airplanes and they attacked an important institution of ours. And then we used that as justification to get into Iraq. It gave us justification to do things that has been documented that people in power wanted to do, but couldn't find a way politically for us to do it because it didn't fucking involve us, which is the same thing as World War II. So like that similarity really kind of stuck out to me as like, I don't know how it would tie in on the timeline, you know, because a lot of the project uh, blue beam stuff happened after World War Two. But I mean, but then you also look at like timelines and them not being yeah, linear, yeah, exactly. and a lot of these people like understanding the nonlinear scale of time. So you look at like Mandela effects or retcon, and um, history is being changed before our eyes. Like the dream world and this reality are kind of being like interwoven right now. Um, which once again, look up the Hopi legend of the blue star Kachina and the red purifier Kachina. It's it's a really interesting tale, and it and it seems as if um, it's happening right now but yeah yeah no um i think that that is unless you have anything else kind of a good place to end it we're right at time is there anything else you wanted to throw on the end no no research all these things that we're saying i know it's like a lot but it's really exciting and um, once you know what you know you can really harness your own power and create your own reality but um yeah this is a fun one and we'll see y'all next week yeah thank you for tuning in please tell your friends like and subscribe, all that, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. You know. Um, all right, guys. Have a good week. We will talk to you. We'll talk to you later. Bye.